So um, we are in a series on our vision and mission. And last week we started that series talking about a place to belong, that Christ City is a place to belong. And we start there, the second part of our, our vision is a place to know God, but we start there at a place to belong because we believe that you can belong here before you believe. And we get that idea from scripture that in the beginning, God created the world, created the universe, and people were created to belong there, to enjoy it, to be fully satisfied in what God had made for them, to be able to explore and wonder and uh, to see all types of animals and to just walk around and pick up food just off the floor, right? Just food just dropping out of trees and vegetables spring up, still happens in Memphis. You can throw a seed on the ground and in several months you might have something you can eat. We belong here. Scripture starts with that story. And not only that, but we see that every time a child is born and a child reaches out for what they need unashamedly with no concern about whether it's convenient for you or not, or it's the middle of the night or not, a child reaches out for what they need. They intrinsically know that they belong, that their needs should be met, and they fully expect that their needs should be met. And we see it uh, all around us in nature. We see it all throughout the scriptures that we are uh, the children of God in God's world and that we belong. Before we do anything, before we even take a breath, we already belong. So at Christ City, we believe that you can belong here before you believe. And so the second part is, well, we want you to belong, of course, but we also want to invite you here into a relationship with the living God. We want this to be a place where we can know God, where we can come in, we can experience belonging, and that we can also encounter the living God. Now, um, some of you may have even been a little bit triggered by the verses from the lectionary that we did a call and response because of maybe the way that you grew up and the way that um, evangelism and what it meant to know God were wrapped around maybe just kind of the memorization and recitation of certain phrases. And obviously we don't think that's bad here at Christ City because we say the Apostles' Creed every Sunday and hopefully that's memorized for you by now and that scripture memor memorization, there's no, absolutely nothing wrong with that. And yet the way those, some of those things were tied to the way that we experienced God and the idea of what it meant to know God, nonetheless, many of us have certain scars, woundings, and triggers from those types of things. And as I was thinking about this, um, this scene from The Simpsons came to mind. We put that scene on the screen, that still shot. And it's, uh, it's where all the kids are in the, uh, in the Sunday school room with the Sunday school teacher. Do we, have, do we not have that picture? No? Okay. Um, well, all these kids are, are, are sitting and Bart and Lisa and everybody's there and Millhouse and all, all the usuals. And they're all sitting there and they're asking this Sunday school teacher questions about heaven. And th this is what they say. I'm going to read it to you, okay? So this little girl, Janie, says, will my dog Pepper be there? The Sunday school teacher says, I'm sorry, but the answer is no. Why not? Because heaven is for people. What about my cat Snowball? I'm sorry, but the answer is no. Will there be cavemen in heaven? Certainly not. And then Bart says this. Um, Ma'am, 
What if you're a really good person, but you're in a really, really bad fight and, you, and your leg gets gangrene and it has to be amputated? Will it be waiting for you in heaven? For the last time, Bart, yes. There, uh, there's this idea that exists in many places in the world, but especially in this post-scientific world where we thought, many of us thought that our ideas about God had to be so incredibly certain that we end up sounding and thinking like this Sunday school teacher. Is, is Snowball gonna be in heaven? Absolutely not, right? We imagine that God has such a small imagination such a small way of operating and thinking and that the means and the access to be able to experience life with God becomes so incredibly narrow, it becomes comical. The Simpsons is perfect at showing the comedy in the ways we think about not just religion, but pretty much everything. So this vision of our church is extremely important and we wanna talk about what this means and the way that we talk about it. And with that in mind, when we, when we come to this scripture, I picked this scripture, it's not, it wasn't a lectionary scripture, I picked this scripture because some of the ideas in it are, are so challenging for me to wrestle with that I feel that they really express my heart and my vision for what it means for us in this season to know God at Christ City and it starts with this language about exactitude. And I wanna read this verse, verse three to you here. It says, the son, meaning Jesus the Christ, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So this phrase, the exact representation of his being, in the Greek, it's a word that, it's got a lot of ch in it, it's got Character. That sounded like a Southern person trying to pronounce anything other than English. Um, and it was. And, and this word, it comes from the idea of somebody engraving letters or symbols onto a tablet. And so the idea is that there's a character or a word that is inscribed here. And that when you think about Jesus, if, if God was to be described perfectly, written out into stone, that that would look exactly like Jesus. So Jesus is the glory of God manifests in the, in, in the human form. And when you see Jesus, you see God. That's a really beautiful and really cool thing. Only problem is I don't see Jesus. I've never seen Jesus. Jesus has never walked in the room. I've never encountered Jesus. So the fact that the scriptures say that Jesus is the perfect representation of God, but now all I have is actual characters on a page to look at to describe this exact representation of God, it seems like we've gone backwards, doesn't it? I've just got the words, I don't have the exact representation. I have the copy of the copy of the copy to look at. Any of you ever tried to make several copies of, of an already low resolution image? It doesn't work out well. 
I've seen a few presentations from students when I used to teach high school. How could you find such a low resolution of, did you just take a picture of that from your phone off of like somebody else's phone? How does this look so bad in this generation when you have a smartphone? And yet, sometimes it feels like that when I read some of these scriptures about Jesus. Oh, it's the, the glory, the magnificence of God. But I don't get to see that Jesus. Only a few people, well, a few thousand people got to see that Jesus. And I think part of what happened for us, in, especially in recent history, is we took the, that exactitude, that idea that because Jesus was the perfect representation of God, that we needed to have what we had access to be perfect, which was words, ideas, that we had to get the ideas exactly right and perfect, those characters that were a copy of a copy that could not fully express uh, what Jesus was, what God was. If it could, we would have never had Jesus at all. We would have just had the words on the tablets. But it's no wonder that in this post-scientific age, we have contorted our religious and spiritual faith to make it more about some kind of reductive X plus X equals Z or whatever it might be. And so when somebody asks, when a child asks, did caveman go to heaven? Absolutely not. Of course not. Knowing God, getting confused with knowing exactly the right things, having exactly the right thoughts on everything. And just so you know, I do think it's important, the types of words that we use. I think it's extremely important. That's, that's my trade here, right? As a, as a pastor, the words that are used, clarity. I think that was the intention, clarity, good theology, meaning the way that we think about God. Those things are really important. Yesterday, I spent the entire day trying to get an automatic gate, like do-it-yourself gate opener, uh, open and close at my house with help, with a guy who's like a craftsman, a tradesman, or whatever. And we didn't get it right because we didn't follow the instructions exactly. So it's important to follow instructions. It's important to pay attention to the words that we use. It's just that we can't boil down knowing God to that because then we get, I get a church full of wounded people from doing that because we are so much more than that. Imagine this. If uh, you were in a long distance relationship and all you had, all you had were the words coming to you about this person and you couldn't respond, you could just take those words and you had to gauge your entire relationship off of just those words. And the only time it would change is after you had lived your whole life and had died. And then imagine this, imagine that those words weren't even written by the person you're in the relationship with. They were written by a bunch of other people what they told you this person was like and that there was no way for you to communicate back and forth, but you were gonna be in a committed relationship with this person for the rest of your life. There's gotta be more 
to a relationship than that, am I right? Anybody wanna be in a relationship like that? So the exact representation of God is Jesus. Jesus is, as the writer of Hebrews says, God's character, his words, if you were to describe it, it's, in, it's perfectly written out. So what does this mean about knowing Jesus? Doesn't mean about having all the right answers, not according to scripture, it doesn't, or the life of Jesus. Here's what I want to present to you today for the next few minutes, that this is a place to know God and knowing God means having a conversation. A conversation. Let's read these first couple verses again. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So the writer here starts this book to the Hebrews, reminding us that God spoke and is speaking, spoke through the prophets, spoke through the person of Jesus, Jesus as the word, God's word. So when I think back through the scriptures, it's not a one-way conversation. It's not a bunch of letters just written and all you can do with them is read them and have to try to memorize them. It starts with a narrative. The first man, Adam, meaning person, human, red, earth of the earth. Adam is hanging out and he says, God, I'm lonely. There's nobody like me. And God says, hey, let's have you name all the animals. See what you think about that. So right from the beginning, as soon as creation is established, God is already inviting Adam, the, the first human, into a conversation. Help make meaning. I, I spoke this world into existence. Now you define it with your word, a conversation. Hey, none of these animals are like me. Okay, well, let's do something different. Let's make somebody that looks more like you. It's a conversation. It was a back and forth. Abraham and Sarah are constantly talking to God, laughing. Remember, Sarah laughs. Ha ha, I'm not gonna have a kid. Yes, you are. Why did you laugh? I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. Jacob, we're told, wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And his name on the other side of that wrestling was the name of the people of God, Israel. You know what Israel means? Wrestles or struggles with God. It's a conversation. All throughout scripture, you hear about this conversation. The prophets, the pro that God spoke through the prophets in Isaiah 118, it says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. When the church was just getting started in the book of Acts and they're making crucial decisions about the future, in Acts 15, 28, it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. They're trying to figure out how more people belong. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit is reasoning, it's conversation. Knowing God is not simply filling our head with a container of ideas or information. And I know for most of you, this, this, this is not supposed to be 
a, a bunch of new ideas in a sermon because you've been here for a while. It, but we're, we're regathering under our vision, a place to know God. So there, is, uh, there was a scholar who was also a missionary, a Christian missionary in India for, for many, many years. And his name's Leslie Newbegin. And he wrote this book called Proper Confidence. You've heard me reference it before. Uh, you know, he's a British guy, so of course, he's, that's, that's what he titles it, Proper Confidence. So I, I managed to get past that title and read the book a few times, and it's really good. And this is what he says about knowing God and the place of the scriptures in knowing God. He says, the manner in which Jesus makes the Father known is not infallible. That means perfect, unrevisable, irreformable statements. Rather, he chooses parables. He did not write a book which would have served forever as the unquestionable and irreformable statement of the truth about God. He formed a community of friends and shared his life with them. He left it to them to be his witnesses. And as we know, their, witnesses, their witness has come to us in varied forms. We know about very few of the words and deeds of Jesus with the kind of certainty that Descartes identified with reliable knowledge. Descartes he, he, like, uh, he, he started an encyclopedia, and he said, I think, therefore I am. And he did a lot to push forward a lot of ideas about how to be certain about something. To wish that it were otherwise is to depart from the manner in which God has chosen to make himself known. The prophets and apostles of the Old and New Testaments belong to the same world as we do. A world in which knowing is a matter of the commitment of personal subjects to the clearest possible understanding of the reality of which we are a part. The important thing is not how we formulate a doctrine of biblical authority, but how we allow the Bible to function in our daily lives. We grow into a knowledge of God by allowing the biblical story to awaken our imagination and to challenge and stimulate our thinking and acting. We cannot yet understand what we cannot yet understand or accept must nevertheless be allowed to challenge us to more daring thought and commitment. So in this quote, he reminds us of what Jesus did. If Jesus is the exact representation of God, then we can look back. We don't have to have all the words memorized. We don't have to turn it into math. We can look and see how did Jesus operate? That's how God operates in the world. To expand your imagination. Jesus, what must I do to be saved? Well, let me tell you a story. Or, hey, you know what you got to do, really rich guy? you got to give up all your wealth. You know what you got to do, really smart guy? You've got to be born again and see the world like a baby. You know what you got to do, really thirsty person at a well, is realize your material needs are not the only needs that you have. This is the exact representation of God, the storyteller, the imagination enlarger, the inviter, the includer into some bigger reality. And it's challenging. 
So knowing God, knowing God means conversation. The second thing I wanna say about a place to know God here is that the container for our faith is conversation. That's the container for our faith. Are you in the conversation? Might be a better question than did you attend church? Did you read your Bible yesterday? Did you, uh, I don't know, repent of uh, a sin that you committed? Is a, a question that would hit all kinds of areas of your life is are you in the conversation of faith? Who do you say that I am? Jesus asked Peter. The kingdom of heaven is near you, he said to someone who said, hey, what, what do you, what's the most important law? And he gave an answer. And Jesus said, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. The parables, they invite conversation. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman mixing into the dough, some yeast that spreads, or the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that grows into a tree, or the kingdom of heaven is like a costly hidden treasure in a field that you sold everything to get that field, or it's a, pr a priceless pearl, or it's wheat and tares growing in the same field together. So Jesus asked Peter, who wasn't yet named Peter, his name was Simon. He said, and the disciples, who do you say that I am? He asked a question. He really didn't hardly tell anybody that he was the Christ, but he sure did ask a lot of questions about it to people. Are you in the conversation? So then Peter responds and says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says the spirit is what's revealed that to you. And then he offers something back to Peter. He says, you're not Simon anymore. Now you're Peter. And here's what that means about your life. When we are in dialogue, in relationship, in conversation with one another and with God, then we can experience the transformation that we see in the life of Jesus and his companions and his disciples and those people. A place to know God, that faith is, is the container for faith is conversation. So it says, the verses say that in the past, the prophets, that God spoke to the prophets, the prophets spoke to the people. And then after that, it was Jesus. And when you look at Jesus and the types of questions and the types of things he's saying, they're not always the exact same things that we heard from the prophets. And when you're in a conversation, an extended conversation over time, the conversation changes. Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse and you, you bring up something they said a really long time ago to try to prove a point? Does that ever work out well for you? Oh man, it's dead silent in here. Oh my gosh. I've done it and it's never worked out well for me. And my wife's done it, it's never worked out well for her. And the reason is because conversations change. They shift. The types of questions that we have also change and shift. So the same thing is true of our faith and the conversation that we have in faith. So the types of questions that we're being asked uh, 
200 years ago are not the same exact questions we're asking now. And so faith is a conversation. Not only that, but not to burst your bubble, you don't ever read a text the same twice. It's impossible. Uh, neurologically, it's impossible that every time you read something, if you read the Bible, if you read the Apostles' Creed and say it out loud, if you read a book, a novel, anything, and you've read it before, the second time you read it, it will be a different experience. Your comprehension will change because your life experiences have changed. So to be created in the image of God to, to see that Jesus was the perfect image of God and he told stories and he challenged our thinking and he upset the standards of what we thought it would be like and he kept enlarging and pushing against the boundaries of who God could be and who belonged. That's the conversation. That's the conversation of a place to know God. When Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's telling them, I'm gonna leave, like my body's not gonna be here anymore, but you're still gonna be connected to me. He, he said that I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. The spirit of truth is coming. And by, uh, but you will know the spirit of truth and the spirit of truth will live in you. Not gonna leave you as orphans. And so we've got the Bible and we also have the spirit of God and we have the exact representation of God in the person of Jesus showing a path for us to have a conversation with God in the place that we live now. And we get to be a part of that. That's, that's really exciting to me. I don't know, you guys don't look too excited. Maybe I'm just not doing a good job of, of doing this here. So um, earlier this year, we had a sermon series called The Kingdom of Heaven is Near You. Anybody remember that? And in this series, I was, I was trying to articulate some of the ideas that I'd been wrestling with and thinking through and experiencing life through for many, many years. And in it, we talked about that Jesus and others say this phrase, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near you. Repentance in the Greek means to change your mind. If you're having an extended conversation with God and with faith, you need repentance. You have to be able to change your mind. You have to be able to let go of your grasp of certainty, of being right about everything, of hiding the sins that are hurting you and others. You have to be able to change your mind in an extended dialogue, an extended conversation. If you don't change your mind and you're in a long-term relationship with somebody, you won't be able to keep that relationship or it's gonna be a really sucky one-sided conversation and relationship. Repent. Why? Because there is this other reality right on top of the one in front of you and you've got to change your mind to be able to see it. You might even have to change directions. That's what the Old Testament uh, word for repentance meant. I mean, you had to change directions that you were on a certain path or that maybe you had missed the mark. There's two different uh, pictures, word pictures in the Hebrew for repentance, two different uh, words actually. And so you might have to move around in a different way in this conversation. Go there, not here, look out. I went that way and you know what? I fell into this hole right here. So maybe if you go 
around it, you won't. You gotta be able to change your mind about the path. The, the last idea I wanna share briefly is that where this conversation takes place, where this conversation that is knowing God, that is the container for knowing God takes place. It takes place all around us. Let's look at this scripture once more from Hebrews. But in the last days, he has spoken, God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the universe. That exact representation of God that went around speaking parables, including and inviting other people into this reality made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So Jesus the Christ is the word of God, become incarnate, become physical, tangible. In all, and it's also the word of God that creates and sustains the universe. So the word of God gives us access to a divine dialogue all around us in the entire universe. This conversation is near you. The same, the same substance, the same being that is Jesus is the same word that constructed this entire universe and that word holds it all together. That means that potentially you could find the word of God anywhere around you. The kingdom of heaven is near you. This is what I have come to believe and experience. It's always so confused about the things that Jesus said about that from the way that Christianity was, was taught to me. It seemed so much bigger. It seemed so much more imaginative. It seemed so much less containable. And, and what I found is that that's right, that it's real, that it's happening, that it's unfolding in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of all types of joy and celebration and sadness. Uh, I, at moments like these, I get frustrated um, by just words. You know, like, because God spoke words, but those words created a universe. And, and we're meant to speak about things and have conversations and create things, to create relationships to create homes or, or jobs. Some of you wish your boss hadn't created the job that you do, right? To create projects, many of which may, might be unfinished, but that's okay. Um, we just moved into a house, so that's on my mind. And I've, I've been creating things to try to explain this. And there, there's two things I, I wanna show you against maybe against my better judgment because it's maybe just one would have been enough, but bear with me for this Sunday because I'm an artist, okay? So I make things. And so when we go back to uh, the, the images you've been seeing of a, a place to belong and a place to know God, the believe and belong slide, can you, can you put that one up first, Zach? So, so this one here, 
Um, well, the slide's moving already. But a place to belong and a place to know God, the way that I think about it is like this. Belonging is like the first place that we go into, right? In our, in our order, in our, in our vision. We can belong before we believe. And, and believing is, is something that, that feels at first maybe more narrow. I believe this and you don't believe it. And, and I go here and you don't go here and I do this and you don't do this. And so it's like a more, it's a smaller circle. But, w- but what I've found as, as I have cultivated and, and been connected to a relationship with God is that as I believe more, my idea of belonging expands more. That as, I, that as I connect into this kingdom of heaven, this, this idea that was given by the sustainer of the universe, that I find that, that more belongs. And that as my belief grows, my sense of belonging grows. And who belongs and what belongs and, and how we can invite those people, those ideas, those things we're doing in our life and our world, the projects that we're working on, the jobs and the places that we work and the money and how we spend it can all become a part of the kingdom of heaven. And nobody's clapping and nobody's saying amen. I'm up here all by myself. Come on, somebody. So the other thing, I started just shooting video footage um, about this idea last year. And then, um, and then I came to, to Dan Baker. Dan Baker, will you raise, raise your hand? He's right there with his son, Benjamin, and he's got a daughter named Avery as well. She's probably in Godly Play or something. Ben, ben, uh, the video we're about to show, Benjamin's in, so he wanted to stay here so he could see that part. Um, but I, I talked to Ben, and, I mean, uh, Dan, and Dan is a, is a filmmaker. I mean, he's, he's a pretty big-time filmmaker. Uh, and, uh, and I told him about this idea, and he said he was willing to help me on it. And so I started working on this video during that Kingdom of Heaven is Near series. And I want to show this to you as, as a way to try to explain this in a different kind of way. It's just a two and a half minute video. It's not long, but in a different kind of way to wrap your imagination, to expand your imagination about this place to belong and this place to know God that I see the vision of Christ City going to in the future. So 